0: 24 you'll find cooking demonstrations by local industry professionals and upcoming talent alongside tempting treats from local food sellers there will be workshops for children and adults as well as food trucks music face painting and more this fun free family friendly event is on saturday the 16th of march from 10 a.m to 3 p.m at fife college in kirkody find out more at fife.ac.uk slash events or follow us on social media fife college food festival part of fife food and drink week
1: Life has ups and downs. If you're going through a difficult patch, you're not alone. mind to mind is a website where people who have felt stressed, anxious or low share their experiences to help others who are struggling. Hear how others are taking care of their mental well-being at nhsinform.scot forward slash mind2mind.
2: For I can myself by the queer-like smell. That the next stops Kirk Coddy.
3: This is K107 FM. And so, the SNP expels the veteran politician Fergus Ewing for voting against the government in a no-confidence motion on a Green minister. Former First Minister Alex Salmond is warning the Greens spell real trouble for the SNP. He says an SNP with no room for a Ewing is heading for the sands. Says public inquiry into Emma Caldwell is being explored. Respected Highlands MSP Fergus Ewing is suspended by the SNP, and Downing Street rejects an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. From Caledonia Media and Charles Fletcher with Scotland's favourite political show, The Week in Hollywood.
4: The sacrificing uh, development of our own gas resource would not only decimate. Tens of thousands of highly skilled, well-paid jobs in a form of economic masochism advocated by the wine bar revolutionaries in the Green Party. (laughs) But also... But also make climate change worse. Actually worse, not better.
3: The trial and jailing of the killer of Emma Caldwell is dominating the Scottish news. The serial rapist Ian Packer murdered the 27-year-old in 2005. He's been convicted of a string of sex attacks in what's been called a ruthless campaign of violence against women. Conservative leader Douglas Ross is calling for a public inquiry.
1: Yesterday, after nearly 20 years, the murderer of Emma Caldwell was finally brought to justice. As well as her murder, Ian Packer was convicted of 33 offences against 22 women committed over three decades. He should have been behind bars years ago. This is what Emma's mother, Margaret Caldwell, told us this morning, speaking via her lawyer, Amir Anwar. They knew it was Ian Packer as far back as 2006, but they gave him the freedom to carry on attacking and raping vulnerable women like my Emma. And Margaret had a message for the First Minister. She said this, if Mr Youssef genuinely cares about the victims and my Emma, then he has no other option but to organise an independent public inquiry. And she continued, with respect, what are you waiting for? So will Hamza Youssef take the opportunity today to immediately announce the establishment of a judge-led inquiry?
5: First Minister. Can I thank Douglas Ross for raising an exceptionally important uh, issue. Let me uh, first and foremost give once again my condolences and that of the government to Emma's family, her friends, loved ones, uh, at what will continue to be an extraordinarily difficult time. I want to pay tribute to Margaret Caldwell, uh, Emma's mother, uh, and indeed her family, uh, who tirelessly fought for justice, not just for Emma – but, of course, for the many other women who have suffered at the hands of Ian Packer. Can I also recognise the important role that journalists have played in this as well? The Sunday Mail, uh, BBC Scotland have played uh, in this case, and the tenacity of the reporters in trying to seek out justice. Uh, Yesterday's verdict won't have brought any elation or happiness, I suspect, to uh, Emma's uh, family uh, and to uh, Margaret uh, in particular. But I hope it does give a small, tiny crumb of comfort that justice, to some extent, has been done. But Douglas Ross is right. That justice is far too late. There are some serious feelings in this case. Of that, there is no doubt. I wrote and have written to the legal representative of uh, Margaret uh, Caldwell, uh, responded to say that I, would, uh, I will, of course, meet with Margaret Caldwell alongside the Cabinet Secretary, for Justice and Home Affairs willing to meet with them. In terms of uh, a public inquiry, I was wanting to hear uh, from uh, Margaret Caldwell and of course uh, examine and look at the case. Uh, not just in more detail, but it's important for me to say that there is still an ongoing legal process. Even Packer does have uh, the right, uh, of course, uh, to appeal, so we have to wait, uh, I think, to some extent to see what the next stages of that legal process are, but let me be absolutely clear uh, a judge-led public inquiry is absolutely something we are exploring is absolutely not off the table and is something we're giving very serious consideration to given the systemic failings of this case. Douglas Schultz.
1: I I agree with almost everything the First Minister said there, but it needs to be more than explored and and not off the table. There are, of course, legal routes that still have to be uh, established and uh, finished, but we know there are major failings in this case that will not change uh, regardless uh, of an appeal. Uh, And again, this is what... um, uh, Margaret told us this morning via her legal counsel, Amaranwar. A judge-led public inquiry that acts without fear or favour, that is the very least, my Emma and the many women who have spoken up deserve. For far too long, those in the police or Crown who failed us have remained in the shadows. She finished by saying only a judge-led public inquiry will reveal the corruption, the criminality and the motivation. Emma Caldwell's family and many other women who were attacked need answers now, not in another 20 years. They need a free and fearless public inquiry that victims and their families can fully trust. So I think the first minister does need to say today that he agrees to that judge-led inquiry, and we are calling for that to be led by a judge from outwith Scotland. Will he agree to that? First Minister.
5: Again, um, th- th- there is uh, not uh, much difference between Douglas Ross uh, and I at all in this regard. I, I will repeat, I don't rule out uh, a public inquiry. The reason, uh, of course, I'm, I'm suggesting that it's important and prudent for me uh, to meet with Margaret Caldwells, to hear directly from her, to hear from her legal representative, uh, and importantly, of course, to also explore and examine uh, what the interaction with any inquiry would be with an ongoing legal uh, process. I hear what Douglas Ross is saying, that if there is to be a judge-led public inquiry, it should that be with a judge from outside of Scotland? I think that is worthy of consideration if we get to that position. But let me be absolutely clear, we do not rule out, in fact it is very firmly on the table, a judge-led uh, public uh, inquiry. Um, as First Minister, it is important that, that I do consider the ongoing uh, legal uh, process. I do go back to the central point of which there is no disagreement between Douglas Ross uh, and uh, Emma and many, many women, at least 21 of which we know of, were subjected to the most horrendous attacks, rape, sexual assault, and of course, in Emma's case, uh, tragic uh, murder by Ian Packer. They were ultimately let down by failings in the justice system and clearly failings uh, from the police service at the time. I do commend the bravery of the many, other, uh, many women who have come forward to speak bravely uh, about their experiences in the pursuit uh, of uh, justice. So, I, I go back to my central point, uh, Presiding officer. Uh, I will meet with Margaret Caldwell, I will, be, will, be, will meet with her legal representative, uh, and I am very open to the suggestion, to the idea, to the calls uh, for a judge-led public inquiry.
1: I really feel the First Minister has to go further. He, he said in his answer there that people have been let down. There are many feelings. We know that. Regardless of any appeal that is still to come. The feelings by the police and the Crown are absolutely crystal clear. That's why a judge-led inquiry by someone from outwith Scotland is the only option. And it must be the only option on the table. And I think the First Minister just needs to take the opportunity today to agree to that, to announce that. Because an inquiry led by a judge from outwith Scotland will get to the bottom of what happened here. Because these were not just mere accidents by Police Scotland or the Crown Office, it seems that evidence was deliberately ignored and suppressed. The truth only emerged after years of campaigning by Emma's family when a former detective, Gerry Gallagher, stepped forward as a whistleblower. He publicly identified Ian Packer as a suspect in the media. It's utterly shocking that the response from the police was to launch a surveillance operation targeting the journalists and the whistleblowers. One of the whistleblowers, Gerry Gallagher, says there must be consequences for those responsible. On that point, does Hamza Youssef agree? First Minister.
5: Well, I do agree that uh, the targeting of not just police officers, but suggestions of targeting of journalists as well is uh, incredibly worrying, incredibly concerning. i go back to the the, the question that um, Douglas Ross has asked me from uh, the very beginning about a public uh, inquiry. I think if if the government is to announce a judge-led public inquiry, which, as I say, is something we are very seriously considering And exploring. It's important for us, if we are to make that announcement, first of all, I think to speak, of course, to Margaret Caldwell, but also to come to this Parliament with the full detail of what any potential public inquiry could look to explore and examine what any potential terms of reference may well look like uh, as well. So I go back to my central point. We are not at all opposing a public inquiry, in fact, very firmly uh, in our consideration in this regard. Douglas Ross is absolutely right. When you look back over the history, uh, of uh, this uh, case, it is uh, astonishing uh, some of the allegations that are being made uh, in relation to Police uh, Scotland. It wasn't Police Scotland then, of course. The legacy forces uh, prior to Police Scotland's uh, formation. Uh, for me, uh, as, as a government, let me also uh, just say to give some level of assurance that this is why the worker in violence against women and girls is so so important uh, to this very day, and we continue, uh, of course, uh, to ensure that we fund that work. So there are many questions to answer around why Packer, Ian Packer, was able uh, to evade justice, continue to commit many crimes that he did for so long. So we will seriously consider all of the options uh, that are on the table, uh, including of course uh, a judge-led public inquiry and take on board the suggestion that Douglas Ross has made that if there is to be a public inquiry then could we consider a judge out with us? Scotland.
0: Douglas Ross
1: Emma Caldwell her grieving family and Packer's many other victims were betrayed by what was one of Scotland's worst policing scandals. Many questions remain about how this shameful saga, which can only be answered by a fearless, transparent and independent inquiry. I really think that is the only option. We need to know why did it take so long to charge Ian Packer? Why was he allowed to remain free to attack more women? And who was responsible? For allowing him after multiple interviews to continue to walk free. So I hope the First Minister can take from this to urgently and immediately meet with Margaret Cal- Caldwell and her legal representatives to bring an urgent statement back to this Parliament in a matter of days to finally announce that this government is launching an independent inquiry and it will be led by a judge from outside Scotland.
5: First Minister. I think uh, Officer Douglas Ross uh, is right. There are lots of questions that demand an answer. Um, And the many women who have been failed, uh, Emma Caldwell ultimately uh, failed, but many other women who have also been failed by the justice system, by uh, the police uh, forces uh, previously, Uh, it is important that they get the answers to the questions that they rightly have. Uh, Let me also give some assurance to Douglas Ross. Uh, We will seek to meet with Uh, Margaret Caldwell uh, and her legal representative uh, urgently and we will look at the options in front of us and come back urgently too because as Douglas Ross said I think in his opening question uh, women have waited far too long for justice given the history of this uh, case so I will uh, perhaps end uh, planning officer where I started which is paying tribute to Margaret Caldwell uh, in particular uh, but also the many other women who came forward bravely to speak about their experiences, uh, the fearless journalists who, of course, uh, first unmasked uh, Ian Packer's activities and were tireless in their pursuit for justice. But uh, let me uh, end once again by saying that we will not just meet with Mark Caldwell but are very seriously considering the option of a public inquiry.
3: You're listening to The Week in Holyrood with Charles Fletcher. Scottish Labour leader Anna Sawa says any public inquiry into the Emma Caldwell case should be led by a judge from outwith Scotland.
6: A toxic culture of misogyny and corruption meant the police failed so many women and girls who came forward to speak up against Packer. Instead of receiving justice and compassion, they were humiliated, dismissed and in some instances arrested whilst the police gifted freedom to an evil predator to rape and rape again the powerful words of Margaret Caldwell yesterday. And we know that since her daughter Emma's murder in 2005, Mm -hmm. Ian Packer committed 19 rapes, sexual offences or assaults. Victims who could have been protected if Ian Packer had been properly investigated. I wanna push the First Minister on the issue of who would lead any potential inquiry. This injustice has spanned 19 years and in that time, we have had five Lord Advocates and six Chief Constables. So, does the First Minister agree that for any inquiry or indeed review to be truly independent, it requires it to be led by an individual separate and independent from Scotland's criminal justice system? First Minister. I well, think Anna uh,
5: much like Douglas Ross, makes some very important points in this regard. Let me come to a, a few of them, if I can. Uh, first and foremost, Anna Sauer is right. We still in Scotland have a Serious problem with misogyny, and I know there is a lot of cross-party consensus uh, around some of the actions that the Scottish Government is taking forward to tackle violence against women and and girls. Uh, I will hope to bring a debate to this Parliament on the issue of positive masculinity, which in itself is, of course, uh, designed to try to remove and and, and eradicate some of the toxic behaviours that we see uh, from some uh, young men and boys in our society. So on that point, there is little difference between us on the need to tackle that pervasive issue in our society. In regards to the failure and the timeline of the multiple failures from the justice system in relation to Emma Caldwell's murder, um, as I said to Douglas Ross, I think there is a strong argument for whichever type of review or if there is ultimately a a, a judge-led public inquiry, then there is a strong argument uh, that, that the inquiry is led by somebody uh, out with uh, Scotland. So I do not uh, uh, remove that option uh, from the table. It is very firmly on the table, very firmly a part of our consideration. But as I said to Douglas Ross, there are a few considerations we have to give rapidly, urgently, around the ongoing legal process that is currently uh, still uh, happening. Uh, and also, of course, hearing from Margaret Caldwell directly herself. I have not had that opportunity to do so, of course, waiting for the conclusion. Uh, of the the case in order uh, to meet. But we will give that uh, suggestion that both Douglas Ross and Anna Sarwar have made some serious consideration.
4: Anna
6: Sarwar. There are many troubling issues uh, with this case. Misogyny, prejudice and the failure to listen to women coming forward with evidence. And amongst those failures is a wider culture where Scottish institutions too often fight for their reputations rather than be on the side of victims and seek to find the truth. That culture still prevails today. Key breakthroughs in this investigation were only possible because of the work and bravery of journalists investigating leads that officers had ignored. But distressingly, the first response of the police to this vital work was not to look at the flaws in their own investigation, but instead attempt to intimidate and criminalise those journalists. In this case, and today... Journalists, victims and campaigners seeking to uncover an injustice in Scotland too often find themselves the victim of intimidation and harassment. Does the First Minister accept that and what steps is he taking to end this culture? First Minister. Again, that should not be a culture in any of our uh, institutions and Anna Saro will
5: will be aware of course on the back of the work that uh, Dame Alicia Angelini uh, has done for this government we have introduced the Police Ethics Conduct. As scrutiny Scotland uh, Bill, we introduced that bill. Of course, is making its way uh, through the parliamentary uh, uh, process, and that will improve the police complaints and misconduct uh, process. And again, there's a lot of cross-party consensus, and there'll obviously be some challenge from uh, opposition colleagues, no doubt, uh, for the government to consider uh, going further. But it does have important provisions within that bill to ensure that justice can be pursued even after a police officer retires or indeed uh, resigns. So, as I say, it it builds on the significant improvement work that's already been delivered by policing partners since Dame Alicia Angelini's uh, report in November of 2020. So there are things that we can do to improve uh, the culture across our institutions. And again, I've often debated uh, around the NHS and the actions the government has taken in relation to ensuring there are whistleblowing champions, for example. so This government takes uh, seriously uh, the, 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 the premise uh, of, of all of our public institutions. It should be, of course, to encourage whistleblowing, to encourage any concerns to come forward. Not, to then, uh, uh, not for those individuals who raise those concerns to be the ones who are under scrutiny, under pressure, or indeed under any type of intimidation uh, whatsoever. What I would say in relation to violence against women uh, and girls, uh, of course, there is always improvement for Police Scotland to make. Uh, that, that goes uh, almost without saying. But I have seen some comments in the past from uh, those who organisations who work tirelessly to tackle violence against women and girls, and they have noticed that since the formation of Police Scotland that the investigation of, 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 of uh, rape and sexual offences
6: has improved, still room for improvement of that, uh, there's no doubt. Anastasia Arbor. Thank you, Officer. While any inquiry will look at the failings in this case over the last 19 years, we know there are issues that persist today. The First Minister's reference some of that already. In 2020, an independent review of the police complaints and disciplinary system found evidence of misogyny racism and serious discrimination issues in Police Scotland. And only last year, the outgoing Chief Constable, Ian Livingston, clearly stated that institutional racism, sexism, misogyny and discrimination exist in Police Scotland. I'm up, sorry, I want to return to the words of Margaret Caldwell. Whatever a woman's job, status, addictions or vulnerabilities, it should never be used as a reason to ignore sexual violence or treat them as a second-class citizen. Now, whether 19 years ago or today, we know this culture leaves victims unprotected and costs lives. So as a previous Justice Secretary and now as First Minister, how will he end the culture of prejudice and discrimination that denies so many justice? First Minister. Well,
5: can I thank Anna Saber truly for reading out those words, Margaret called, I think are incredibly powerful and I think every single one of us will be moved uh, by her words, she is absolutely right. And there's a lot of work that we are doing, I'm happy to write to work uh, with of course uh, greater details, a lot of work we're doing around our equally uh, safe uh, strategy uh, in particular, but also to frankly challenge men's demand for sex. Um, it's really important that we all recognise that prostitution is a form of violence against women and girls. and is, uh, completely unacceptable and our recent published strategy to challenge men's demand for prostitution and actions to support women uh, who are in prostitution outlines a new pilot program to improve access to support uh, for those with experience um, of uh, prostitution and lessons learned from this pilot uh, piloting the strategy will help of course to inform any legislative consideration including uh, whether to criminalize or not uh, the purchase uh, of uh, sex so we have an important job to do within government to support women, regardless uh, of uh, any of their uh, background, any vulnerabilities uh, that they uh, may have. Uh, We have, of course, and again I'll write to Anasar in in more detail, uh, 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 taken forward uh, a range of work, again, a lot of it cross-party, to improve victims' experiences within the criminal justice system. Just this week, of course, piloting uh, free court transcripts for victims of rape sexual offences, which we know a number of campaigners have met with all of us cross-party. So this government will continue to make sure the victims are at the very centre of our justice system, but there are plenty of lessons to learn. And I go back uh, to my initial response to both Douglas Ross and Anna Sauer, presiding officer, that uh, uh, we will meet with Margaret Caldwell. Of course, this government, I will meet with Margaret Caldwell, and there is due consideration being given to a judge-led public inquiry.
3: We'll have more from FMQs later. The veteran politician Fergus Ewing has lost his appeal against suspension by the SNP. Mr Ewing, the member for Inverness and Nairn and former government minister, is being punished for criticising the government. The disciplinary action was lodged in September at what went to appeal. Mr Ewing says his party, which broke the mould to win majority government in Holyrood, is now authoritarian. 48 SNP MSPs voted to suspend the former Rural Affairs Secretary for one week. Nine voted against, four abstained. Former First Minister Alex Salmond is warning the SNP against allowing its partner Green Party to call the shots in government. He says an SNP that has no home for a Ewing is heading for the sand. Fergus Ewing has repeatedly criticised Green policy rolled out as part of the government programme.
4: Officer, we all agree that there is an acute housing shortage in this country, yet Homes for Scotland, Cala Homes, Taylor Woodrow and Persimmon, all major house builders, have all warned, all warned repeatedly that the heat pump targets, especially for new builds, have had the effect of forcing up costs of house building so that fewer homes are being built in Scotland. So if the first minister wants to tackle the housing shortage, will he consign the Green Party half-baked pie-in-the-sky policy in the bin where it belongs, alongside deposit return and highly protected marine areas? And will he recycle his Green ministers to the backbenches where they belong and then meet with industry and real experts, actual experts, minister, to work out first a plan minister. to solve we'll the First Minister, will have
7: a response to the first minister.
5: Well, perhaps the applause from the Conservative benches might demonstrate to Fergus Shewing that his, uh, his proposals are not the most sensible uh, that he is suggesting that we bring forward.
4: Presiding officer, here in Scotland and the UK, we will need and continue to need and rely on gas for decades to come. Uh, the gas is imported in many cases from the USA, but their gas is produced with over four times, four times the carbon emissions of Rosebank. Therefore, does the First Minister agree with me that sacrificing uh, development of our own gas resource would not only decimate tens of thousands of highly skilled, well-paid jobs in a form of economic masochism advocated by the wine bar revolutionaries in the Green Party but also but also make climate change worse
0: actually worse,
4: not better.
0: Uh, before, the First re- before the First Minister responds, I would remind all members of the requirement to treat, treat each other with courtesy and respect. First Minister.
5: I've got a feeling, uh, Deputy Planning Officer, that's not the first time you've had to tell off your brother, uh, 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 one, one, one suspects.
3: When the suspension broke in September, Fergus Ewing warned his fellow nationalists of the consequences.
5: We're a
4: party that has always put Scotland first. And that means, to me, putting the interests of the people of Scotland first. But in good conscience, and it grieves me to say this, I don't believe that that is any longer the case. What am I to do now? I chose to defend my constituents' interests uh, and let the cards fall where they may.
3: Fergus Ewing currently suspended by his fellow members of the SNP for criticising the government. An SNP spokesman says discipline is a matter for the parliamentary group. To London now and the House of Commons, where the Speaker remains under pressure over the shenanigans in the House last week that saw precedent broken and Labour take advantage of an SNP business day. The SNP is still calling for a vote on a ceasefire in the Israeli-Gaza conflict. The Speaker initially said that could happen, but he's backpedalling on it now.
8: SNP leader Stephen Flynn. Mr Speaker, 30,000 people dead, 70,000 injured, 1.5 million sheltering in Rafah, 300,000 living in what is considered to be feral conditions in northern Gaza, And, of course, 100 hostages still tragically held by Hamas. It is the horror of those numbers that demands that this House have its say, just as it is the horror of those numbers that show that this House should demand an immediate ceasefire. Now, President Biden has indicated that that ceasefire may take place from Monday. Does the Prime Minister share in his confidence?
2: Prime Minister.
8: Well, Mr Speaker, we have
9: consistently called for an immediate humanitarian pause which would allow for the safe release of hostages, including British nationals and more aid, to reach Gaza. We welcome progress on a deal. As the honourable gentleman said, there has been progress, and we urge everyone on all sides to seize the opportunity. And I've been clear that we must seize the momentum from this terrible tragedy to find a lasting resolution to this conflict, which delivers on the promise of a two-state solution and ensures that Israelis and Palestinians can live in dignity and security.
8: Mr. Mr. Speaker, we're now approaching five months since this conflict first began. And in that time, this House has equivocated and this government on three occasions at the United Nations has abstained when it could have voted for a ceasefire. Abstentionism is not leadership. Yeah. So, can I ask the Prime Minister, should this matter now come before the United Nations with a ceasefire potentially in sight, will he use his government's vote in order to deliver that ceasefire?
4: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Prime
4: Minister. Well,
9: Mr. Speaker, we support the United States draft resolution. Uh, that was discussed with colleagues at United Nations last week, but just calling for an immediate full ceasefire now, which collapses back into fighting within days or weeks, and indeed does not release hostages, including British hostages, is not in anyone's interest. We must work towards a permanent ceasefire, and that starts with an immediate humanitarian pause to get aid in and hostages out, I agree with the Honourable Gentleman about the suffering of the people in Gaza and in this country. We should be proud of everything we are doing to help them and provide them the life-saving aid
3: that they deserve. Politics change but never stop. It affects everything we do. I'm Charles Fletcher with The Week in Hollywood. Join me here for coverage of the Scottish, UK and European Parliaments. It's a crucial election year where you once again have a choice. Who's in, who's out? The ups, the downs. Join me, Charles Fletcher, bringing Holyrood home. You're listening to The Week in Holyrood. I'm Charles Fletcher. Still ahead, backbench questions to the First Minister and the Conservatives slip further in a new opinion poll. President Vladimir Putin is warning Western countries they risk provoking a nuclear war if they send troops to fight in the Ukraine. He claims Moscow has the weapons to strike targets in the West. The war in Ukraine has triggered the worst crisis in Moscow's relations with the West since the Cuba Missile Crisis in 1962. Vladimir Putin has previously spoken of the dangers of a direct confrontation between NATO and Russia – but his nuclear warning on Thursday is one of his most explicit. The Scottish Parliament has passed the Government's Budget Bill. Finance Secretary Shona Robeson says her spending plans will protect frontline services. The £60 billion package includes funding to pay for a council tax freeze nationwide. Councils across the country are balking at a freeze. They say they simply can't afford it. Argyle and Butte Council says it'll go ahead with a 10% rise in council tax this coming year. Glasgow has agreed the freeze, but the consequences there include losing 450 teaching jobs over the next three years. The Scottish Government is warning councils will lose out on extra funding if they don't implement the freeze. Some Labour voices are calling on the Conservatives to bypass the Scottish Parliament and send Treasury funding direct. To local authorities. The Scottish Conservatives are in Aberdeen for conference. They Gatherers' a new opinion poll shows them slipping to their lowest share in the poll since Liz Truss was Prime Minister. The poll by Servation puts support for the SNP in the Westminster general election up two points at 38%. Scottish Labour is down one at 33%. The Scottish Conservatives are also down one on. 15%. Time now on the week in Holyrood to return to the chamber and join presiding officer Alison Johnston.
0: Question number three, Alex Cole-Hamilton. Uh, thank
2: you, presiding officer. May I say that my thoughts today lie with Emma Caldwell's family and the discussion we've heard just now I think underpins that urgent need for a judge-led inquiry. To ask the first minister when the cabinet will next meet.
5: First minister. Tuesday, presiding officer.
0: Let's call Hamilton.
2: Presiding officer, an international study has shown that Scotland is amongst the longest waits and poorest access to cancer treatment. I want to tell the chamber about Jill. Her mum, dad, cousin, aunt and two grandparents have all died of cancer. Her sister tested positive for the Czech two cancer gene and was given preventative surgery and reconstruction in Edinburgh. But Jill was repeatedly denied genetic testing in NHS Glasgow, despite her family history. She persevered and discovered that she does have that gene. Now she is being told that the surgery her sister received in Edinburgh isn't available in Glasgow, meaning far longer waits and recovery times. Presiding Officer, when cancer rips through your family and you know it's coming for you, the last thing you need is to fight for care. All Jill wants to do is to see her young children grow up, something her mother never got to do. So can I ask the First Minister to look into Jill's case and to ensure that all pa- patients, wherever they live, have the co- highest quality of cancer care? First Minister.
5: Uh, well, can I thank uh, Alasko Hamilton for raising uh, what was an incredibly important uh, issue and, of course, read through the study, the international study uh, that he references uh, if Alasko Hamilton would, after First Minister's question, send uh, me the uh, details of Jill's case. And can I put on record uh, my sympathy for all the losses that she has uh, experienced? Alice Hamilton is absolutely right. Uh, the only thing many of us want to do is grow up with our children, see our children grow up, spend time uh, with them uh, and have as much time with our loved ones uh, as uh, possible. So I'm more than happy to look into uh, this case. I can also uh, make sure that we send Alice Coe Hamilton some of the detail around the, uh, the improvements that we're making Uh, within cancer care. It's still extremely challenging. There's no getting away from that. There's no uh, denying that uh, uh, post-pandemic. But we are seeing more and more people uh, on both the uh, 31-day and the 62-day pathways. And there has been some recent evaluation of our rapid cancer diagnostic services, which may be of interest to Alice Coe Hamilton, which have shown some really positive results in reducing uh, waiting times for diagnosis uh, for patients uh, in the areas where the rapid cancer diagnostic services operate So I'll wait for Asgol Hamilton to send uh, Jill's details, uh, if you may, and we'll see what uh, we can do uh, from the conference.
0: Question number four, Emma Harper. To ask the First Minister what the Scottish Government's response is to the latest figures highlighting the impact of livestock worrying in Scotland.
5: First Minister. The worrying of uh, livestock by dogs is completely unacceptable. It's something the Scottish Government does take very seriously, recognising the very serious welfare and, indeed, financial impacts that uh, livestock worrying can have. Uh, The figures uh, quoted indicate that there uh, there are still individuals who do not recognise their responsibilities as dog owners and allow their dogs to chase livestock. Uh, Ignorance of the law, of course, is no excuse whatsoever. So we we welcomed, of course, the introduction of Emma Harper's Dogs Protection of Livestock uh, Scotland Bill, which came into force on 5 November 2021, and I thank her for her continued efforts in this area. Education is a key factor in the prevention of livestock winning incidents. The Scottish Outdoor Access Code is clear on the rights and responsibilities of land managers and of those exercising access rights, which is uh, widely published.
0: Emma Harper. Thank the First Minister for that response. My Dogs Protection of Livestock uh, 2021 Act has proved successful in raising awareness of livestock attacks and worrying and in encouraging farmers to have the confidence to report livestock worrying incidents. However, NFU Mutual's latest report on rural crime shows that livestock worrying reports are increasing. Stakeholders, including the NFUS and and Estates, have called for a change to the Outdoor Access Code to mandate that dogs be kept on leads when in fields where livestock is present. So can the First Minister comment both on how the Government can continue to raise awareness of my Livestock warring Act and also on whether it will consider making such an amendment to the Outdoor Access Code as part of the upcoming Land Reform Bill? First Minister.
5: I think all those points made by Emma Harper are well worthy of consideration uh, she is absolutely right to highlight the difference made uh, by the legislation uh, this parliament enacted on livestock worrying thanks mainly uh, to her efforts in bringing the bill forward uh, and guiding it into law uh, it's interesting to note that only now is the uk government proposing uh, to legislate similarly to cover uh, england too we continue to work with partners to increase awareness of dog owners responsibilities under the livestock worrying act including through nature scots traditional and social media activity On responsible dog walking, but I've also asked the Minister for Agriculture and Connectivity to consider what more we might do to raise awareness and encourage more responsible ownership and owner behaviour, especially at times like the lambing season. I note that some would wish us to review the access code, uh, as Emma Harper uh, references, and of course we'll give that consideration. But I think we can be quite rightly proud here in Scotland that we have some of the most open access to our land anywhere, and as a nation, we do want that to continue. Closing off the countryside it certainly isn't the answer here and certainly not what uh, Emma Harper uh, is suggesting uh, at all. Uh, we want to encourage more people to follow and adhere to the Scottish Outdoor Access Code, especially in relation to responsible dog walking.
0: Rachel Hamilton. Thank you, presiding officer. The
9: devastating cost of dog attacks on livestock has doubled in Scotland since 2022. It's causing harm and distress to animals and financial hardship to farmers. The legislation really isn't working, is it, First Minister?
5: First Minister. Well, I think uh, there are a number of reasons uh, why we've seen some of the incidents uh, rise. What I would say to Rachel Hamilton is she's suggesting that the legislation isn't working. Of course, the UK government are looking to legislate for England in a very similar manner. Uh, indeed, and we're happy to share any information with the UK government on the legislation we've brought forward here. I think we have to make sure that we're doing more to raise awareness uh, of, of course, responsible dog-walking. Uh, when it comes to, uh, uh, right across the year, but when it comes to particular seasons uh, such as the lambing season. But Rachel Hamilton is right. The uh, impacts uh, of livestock worrying are significant. They're, they're traumatic uh, often uh, to, to, to farmers, of course, to the livestock uh, indeed, but also cause significant financial har- hardship. And that's why we'll do what we can to make sure uh, that, that we tackle uh, livestock worrying wherever it's happening in Scotland.
3: This is The Week in Holyrood with
5: Charles Fletcher.
0: Question number five, Murdo Fraser.
7: Uh, Thank you, Presiding Officer, to ask the First Minister what action the Scottish Government is taking to prevent convicted sex offenders from changing their identity.
5: First Minister. This is a matter of public protection, which we take extremely seriously. All registered sex offenders are subject to sex offender notification requirements, and any change of name must, by law, be notified to the police. The management of offenders' documents include uh, recording of any aliases. Uh, We became aware before Christmas that the UK government were working on legislative changes, on name changes within their criminal justice bill, and were very keen to align arrangements where possible, which is why we uh, may have made repeated requests at ministerial and official level to see the detail of proposed amendments. I'm pleased we received these amendments, but only this week. Uh, So we've therefore started the serious and careful consideration needed to examine how they would work in Scotland uh, and to the tight deadlines of the UK legislation.
3: Fraser?
7: Can I thank the, the First Minister for his uh, response? He will share my concern about uh, news reports at the weekend about an individual with convictions for sexual assault of children who changed his name and was then appointed President of the World Robert Burns Federation where he had access to children participating in Burns competitions. And there are many other similar cases involving individuals whose convictions predated the creation of the uh, sex offenders' Register. It's clearly a very serious issue which potentially puts at risk children from predatory adults able to conceal their offending history by changing their names. So, as the First Minister said, the UK Government are proposing changes in the law to protect children in these circumstances. He referred to work that's ongoing. Can he give us some assurance as to how quickly the Scottish Government can move to close this loophole in the law that otherwise? ...might be very dangerous.
5: First Minister. Can I thank uh, Murdo Fraser for raising uh, this issue? I was extremely concerned at uh, press reports uh, on uh, the weekend of the particular case that Murdo Fraser uh, references. Uh, I can give him an absolute assurance uh, we are working hard uh, to uh, see how uh, we can work with the UK Government... ...to align some of the changes that they are proposing here in Scotland... Uh, I, of course, understand the public's concern around this issue and will always consider what changes we can make to that, ensure there that are effective safeguards in place where it is in, within our legislative competence to do so. Murphays will be more than aware, of course, that passports, driver licence uh, and name changes related to them are reserved uh, to the UK government, as we've just uh, referenced. There are other ways that people can uh, change uh, their name, for example, when marrying, divorcing, making a statutory declaration, using the middle names rather than the first names, so on and so forth. So we'll have to consider all of these issues in the round. If there's anything that we can do within our gift to be we well prepared to work with the UK government as Murdo Fraser asks uh, with
6: urgency? Audrey Nicol.
0: Thank you. Can the First Minister provide an update on other measures to manage sex offenders, including licence, behavioural or prevention orders, um, and how they link with notification conditions, and if these have been updated?
5: First Minister. An important question from um, Audrey Nicol because there will be a lot of concern after the press reports uh, on the weekend of the case uh, that Murdo Fraser uh, referenced in his question. But it is important to try to give some reassurance uh, that new behavioural orders were introduced last year to reinforce what were already stringent checks on individuals who pose a risk of sexual harm. Uh, With sexual harm prevention orders, the police can apply to courts for individuals convicted of sexual offending, where it's believed that they do pose a risk of sexual harm to the public, Uh, where, granted, the individual will automatically become subject to the sex offender notification requirements. Uh, The sexual risk order is a civil preventative order designed to protect the public from sexual harm. There's no need for a previous conviction. Breach of either of these orders can result in imprisonment. Uh, Licence conditions, of course, can also be put in place to manage behaviour on release from custody. Uh, They can be monitored by Justice Social Work, and electronically monitored if uh, uh, deemed uh, necessary. We do have, of course, as Audrey Nicol will be very aware, a very stringent uh, MAPA uh, uh, requirements uh, placed uh, on uh, offenders uh, as well. In Scotland, the vast majority, majority of registered sex offenders uh, do comply with the notification requirements imposed upon them. In fact, 93 per cent, according to the MAPA annual report published in October last year, but uh, as I said to Douglas, uh, sorry, forgive me, as I said to Murdo Fraser uh, previously, that uh, if there is more that we can do, whether it's within our own competence or working with UK government uh, to safeguard, uh, particularly our children, but safeguard individuals from predatory behaviour, uh, then of course we'll seek to
3: work with whoever we have to to ensure those safeguards in place. This is the week in Holyrood with Charles Fletcher.
0: Question number six, Pam Duncan Glancy. Thank you, Presiding Officer. To ask
1: the First Minister what the Scottish Government's response is to reports that the number of people living in temporary accommodation in Glasgow had increased by 25%. First
5: Minister, statistics published on Tuesday show the challenges that we face in tackling homelessness. This only highlights the challenge we face. This uh, highlights the challenge we face in tackling homel- homelessness, but is compounded, undoubtedly, by the cost of living crisis, the impact of UK austerity economic repercussions of the pandemic which are all driving up homelessness presentations. The Home Office's streamlined asylum process is also impacting local authorities, particularly Glasgow, creating increased demands for homelessness services. The Scottish Government is doing what we can within the powers and indeed the financial constraints we have to mitigate the impact and reduce the number of people in temporary accommodation. We're providing record funding of more than £14 billion to councils in 2024 25 a real terms increase of 4.3% compared to the, to the current uh, financial uh, year. The Minister for Housing has been meeting with housing conveners to discuss homelessness and housing pressures. Pam Duncan Glancy.
1: I thank the First Minister for that answer. And the report he is referring to, which I assume he has read, also says that the Scottish Government report stated that a lack of affordable housing options is partly to blame for the rise in the number of children seeking temporary accommodation. So, can I ask the First Minister why did he vote for a £196 million cut to the affordable housing budget on the same day that the government published a report blaming a lack of that type of housing as a cause for the hike in the number of children in temporary accommodation? First
5: Minister, The government has a strong record in building affordable housing, in fact, building record levels of affordable uh, housing. In fact, we have a good record when it comes to tackling uh, the money that we provide for tackling homelessness. In the budget, for example, investing £90 million in discretionary housing payments in 2024 25 That's an increase of over £6 million from this financial year. It also includes, of course, £74 million to mitigate the bedroom tax. It's something, of course, that Sir Keir Starmer wants to Retain, presiding officer. Uh, and of course we know, if we look at independent analysis from crisis, that austerity-driven uh, policies are undoubtedly driving up homelessness right across the country, including, for example, the two-child limits. So the reality is, I would say to Pam Duncan Glancy, that our budget is facing a Conservative cut of £1.6 billion to our capital budget, a £290 million cut, to financial transactions, which, of course, are crucial for house building. Wouldn't it be so much better, Presiding Officer, that Scotland wasn't at the mercy of cruel Westminster governments cutting our budget, but we could raise our own revenue, make spending decisions in our own country's interest, yeah. as opposed to having to battle 14 years of austerity and a cost of living crisis worse than we've ever seen in, in our living memories, Presiding
3: Officer. Annie Wells. Thank you,
0: Presiding Officer. At the very end of last year, the Scottish Housing Regulator published updated engagement plans for Glasgow and Edinburgh councils. The regulator found systemic failure in the delivery of services to people experiencing homelessness. So could I therefore ask the First Minister, what has the Scottish Government done to help address these failures and prevent them in the future?
3: This is The Week in Holyrood. I'm Charles Fletcher.
0: First Minister...
5: Well, President officer, again, I go back to
0: that independent
5: analysis by stakeholders like Crisis, which say, of course, that the austerity-driven policies of the UK government as what driving homelessness, uh, uh, unfortunately increasing uh, homelessness to the figures that we have seen not just in Glasgow, but I'm afraid uh, right across uh, the UK. So we will continue to invest in discretionary housing uh, payment. We'll continue to do what we can to mitigate the worst excesses of the UK government. We'll put £35 million for specific action to end uh, homelessness and uh, rough sleeping uh, where we can. But I go back to the point that I was making to Pam uh, Duncan, Glancy, presenting officer. The Conservatives have cut our budget, capital budget, or threatening to cut it, by 1.6 billion over the next five years. They've cut financial transactions by 62%, which are crucial, of course, to the affordable housing supply uh, programme. So if Annie Wells wanted to have any influence whatsoever... Instead of, uh, I think, raising these issues here, which she has every right to do, she could use the influence amongst her own party colleagues yeah. to demand that that Tory cut is reversed to our budget. And, of course, not only that, that the 14 years of austerity that they've imposed upon Scotland is halted and halted immediately, President
0: Move to general and constituency supplementaries. If we can be concise, we'll have more, more members contributing. And I call John Swinney.
7: The First Minister will be aware that Police Scotland are investigating the suspected murder of Brian Lowe in Aberfeldy in my constituency on the 17th of February. And I take this opportunity to express my sympathy to Mr Lowe's family at this terrible tragedy. Does the First Minister recognise this awful incident has caused deep unease in the community that I represent? And that there is a need for full transparency from Police Scotland over the handling of this case? Does the First Minister also believe it is vital that all resources are applied to bring to justice anyone involved, and that Police Scotland need to maintain the necessary presence locally to assure the community I represent of its safety at this incredibly worrying time?
5: First Minister. I I agree uh, with all of that. Can I start, of course, by giving my condolences to the family, friends, loved ones uh, of uh, Brian Lowe, and uh, can I also uh, ensure... Uh, that I give uh, as much reassurance as I possibly can to the community of Aberfeldy, who are rightly uh, shocked, rocked, in fact, by uh, this tragic incident. I, I will, of course, have to be careful what I say. This a live uh, murder uh, investigation, uh, and, and, of course, uh, is, is, is ongoing. But let me try to give as much reassurance as I can uh, to the community of Aberfeldy about uh, their uh, safety. I know that Police Scotland uh, will be taking this case, are taking this case, extremely uh, seriously. There are questions I know that have been asked uh, given media reports in the last 24, uh, 48 hours in terms of the time taken between Mr Lowe's death and the post-mortem and the opening uh, of the murder uh, investigation. I've been absolutely assured and I've sought these assurances uh, that Police Scotland are working around the clock uh, in, in, into this murder investigation we'll be seeking to reassure the community uh, uh, as they can and I think the suggestion being made about an increased police presence is a sensible suggestion being made by uh, Mr Swinney and I'll ensure that's fed back uh, through my office uh, to Police Scotland while well, these issues are of course uh, at, the, at the behest of the operational independence of the Chief Constable I think it's a very sensible suggestion uh, as well and it should be said that Police Scotland um, have been appealing to any member of the public uh, who may have any information to come forward, anybody who is travelling through that area who may have, for example, dashcam footage to contact the police. Uh, and that can be done, of course, anonymously through Police Scotland's online portal uh, as well. But I go back to the, the point that uh, John Swinney was rightly raising around reassurances uh, from the community. I'll raise that with Police Scotland, but I'm certain Police Scotland will do everything in their powers to provide reassurance to the community of Aberfeldy.
3: This is The Week in Holyrood. I'm Charles Fletcher.
0: Taste White. Thank you presiding officer. On Monday up to half of the northeast ambulance fleet that's 18 ambulances was stuck outside Aberdeen Royal Infirmary. A paramedic told the press and journal they are unable to help those most in need because they're repeatedly tied up and the situation is now so bad that earlier this month a shop worker in Dice who was covered in blood after being attacked and left almost unconscious by robbers had to be driven to hospital by her employer because the ambulance service was too busy. First Minister, what immediate action will the Scottish Government take to address the ongoing crisis across the North East? Thank you.
5: First Minister. It is uh, right to raise uh, this issue. Uh, the level of ambulance uh, stacking, the weights, the turnaround times at uh, the ARI in particular are simply. Uh, not acceptable. And I'm afraid uh, there there is uh, no uh, reason uh, that can justify that level uh, of uh, weight. So I have been extremely uh, concerned about the reports uh, that we've heard from paramedics uh, directly. I'm more than happy uh, for the Cabinet Secretary for Health uh, to write to Tess White. I'm sure he does write to Tess White uh, with the full details of the conversations that we're having with Grampian and about some of the actions that they are taking. They are uh, looking at, for example, doing more uh, to, to increase uh, discharge planning to maintain patient flow, increase alternative care pathways for ambulance clinicians uh, to support patients in the community as opposed to coming uh, to ARI. ARI have also NHS Grampian have also ensured that they are expanding the site's acute capacity, and have recently opened 32 new acute beds at the Aberdeen uh, Royal Infirmary. Uh, So, therefore, increasing the capacity that will help with inpatient flow uh, through ARI and hopefully help uh, the issue of ambulance stacking. But uh, this is a very serious issue. Uh, Indeed, I'm not happy at all, I have to say, about uh, the continued uh, long ambulance turnaround times uh, at the ARI in particular. And I'll ensure the Cabinet Secretary for Health uh, writes the test white with full details of the actions that have been taken forward for this government.
3: And that's The Week in Holyrood from Caledonia Media. I'm Charles Fletcher. Join me again at the same time next week or when it suits you best on SoundCloud or Replay. Acheba!